0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, brought to you by Lacrosse Boots. Now, if you haven't heard yet, uh, this is me telling you you need to take a look at the new boots from Lacrosse, and they fall under the Navigator series. Now, what they've done is they've taken the best parts of a rubber boot and the best parts of your traditional hiking and hunting boot, and they've mashed them together to come up with this new line of boots from lacrosse, and that is the Navigator Series. Now they have the women's windrows, they have the men's windrows, and then they have the Atlas the Atlas series within that as well. So go to lacrossefootwear.com and check out this new line of boots that they have. I've been using mine for a couple weeks now, and I am very impressed with the the fit and the feel. And I can't wait to get them in the woods this hunting season and uh, give them a trial run. So lacrossefootwear.com, check them out.
1: Hey guys, welcome to the Landon Legacy Podcast. This is your host, Adam Keith. We're co-owners of a consulting company called, go figure, Land and
2: Legacy. This is your number one podcast resource for all things land. Each week we're breaking down topics from land management, habitat management, conservation, farming practices, and real estate. We hope you guys enjoy it.
1: Hey guys, welcome back. Adam here. Matt's here. And uh, thanks for coming on for another Lightning Lakes podcast powered by Stratton Seed Company out of Arkansas.
2: Absolutely. Man, we were <coughs> pumped and ready for a season.
1: For sure. Was- a- absolutely. I'm, I'm just making sure we got to have all our notes here and everything. Um, super exciting. You know, it's it's September now, which is unbelievable. Um,
2: we're already past Labor Day
1: past labor day
2: staring deer season it's like, nice. it's
1: just crazy and i people used to say it to me all the time when you have kids it just goes so much faster didn't really it was like i don't know how that really makes sense but it's unbelievable how much faster time goes now and uh deer season it's like turkey season just ended i feel like i was watching that video and, and nobody's seen it yet but i was watching that video just it seemed like last week, uh, right. the turkey I killed on Easter morning. The wrap up, and <laughs> here we are, and it's like, oh, we're getting things ready. I mean, we got our camera gear ready um, for deer season. Oh. It's it's just crazy. Shoot, we were probably a year ago we were in route to Nebraska, or we were yeah. in Nebraska. Uh,
2: what's the? Yeah, yeah, probably we're in route or, or quickly get. We had high hopes. Ready. <laughs> didn't take long for those to change oh man <sighs> that was that was a learning experience yeah. we'll say that uh, but so i guess a, a humbling moment as well to, to all those guys who have done it and been extremely successful doing it um man that was it was fun i, I don't like being frustrated but honestly i i should have known better that it was going to be that big of a, a learning curve and change out there from what we're used to.
1: Absolutely. Um, for sure. So with deer season coming up, we wanted to devote an entire podcast to things to prepare for. I don't even know. Mindset on the season.
2: Uh, there's basically like three main like, subject-ish points that we kind of want to cover.
1: Yes. Uh, like, what 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 season should be like, the mindset you should have. Yes. What you should be looking for and trying to learn, and then things to remember day
2: in and day out about the season. Yes. Um. It, some will probably come as a shock, and and, but like I don't want to have it have it be like a gut check. But honestly, but like a hey, this is this is a, a priority where where our, all of our minds should be at. Um. You know, and what we're looking to gain from season. Yes. I mean, how many how many times is like there's so there's so much anticipation across everyone's schedule and all the content. Let's say that's out there of season, 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 um, and we're guilty of itself about talking about you know these deer that we're targeting this and that. But if we don't slow down and talk about this and cover what we're going to cover in this podcast, gosh, we're we're foolish and 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 we need to have ourselves almost a, a check on on reality of season and what it shouldn't entail.
1: Yes. Absolutely. Um, so, deer season's coming up, and it's a time to start priming our brain and our mind on things to prepare for uh, and, and getting ourselves in check. How many guys have been shooting their bows preparing for deer season? Almost all of us.
2: I can't raise my hand. <laughs> I know you can't either. Uh, it sounds bad, but we'll get there. I promise. Yeah.
1: Um, and then... How many guys have been going through trail cameras and getting everything, uh, building their hit list? We, we covered our hit list on yeah. a couple podcasts ago. But there's an important side of it that, that's not talked about a lot. But there should be a preparation. It's
2: almost like a spiritual hit list.
1: Yeah, things that, that hunting season shouldn't just bring the ability to put more deer on the wall. And I, you're going to hear us say that throughout fu- this podcast and future podcasts. Like, we're not, the purpose of hunting season in our mind isn't to another ability to to use up some more wall space. Yeah, because
2: they don't go on the wall, they go in the garage. Yeah. <laughs> in my house, I don't know about y'all. Yeah.
1: Well, when a cabin gets built, that's where mine will go. Um, but it it should not come as a... Okay, this is my chance. I've got to hit a hit list. Or it's a it's a time to recharge, too. Um, season Consulting season is crazy busy. Then you go Super into the crazy. summer, and it's crazy busy. And it's been crazy busy uh, for a lot of different things here lately with trying to continue to build a store and other parts of our business and real estate. Hunting season is almost like a...
2: <sighs> Gather some thoughts.
1: Uh, yes. And... It should also be a chance to recharge our batteries. And we see this time and time again. Hunting season brings major
2: frustration. Frustration and stress. Like, uh, that's what I don't quite understand of like stress of like uh, performance that falls like directly on someone's shoulders. It's like. I gotta kill no. a good deer.
1: I gotta kill a good deer. So and so killed a good deer, and I've gotta kill one now, or people are gonna think I'm a bad
2: hunter. I gotta, I gotta answer that harvest with this harvest, and 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 whatnot. It's like I, I don't, I don't think I, I, I could honestly say I've never felt that stress or that desire to just go and kill something. I love hunting, and I love being successful. I love hunting. I love looking at these deer and, and saying yes, that's a target buck. Like I can't lie. I'm not going to lie about because I do, but. The also, the also my mind is split and it's like I also have these objectives of like time spent just outdoors and thinking in a stand of I can't wait to just experience whatever it is, like the, the sunrise that uh a, a mindset, a motivation, whatever that God wants to share. Like I'm just sitting there thinking, hmm, this is a fun morning. Like that's the thing I don't get like everyone I, I don't care if, if you've if you've had a successful season like last year we were both we both killed deer that was yep. fantastic but we hardly hunted but i would still look back and say even if we hadn't killed those deer that was a fun season like some of those mornings some of those experiences in a tree stand were awesome seeing yep. what deer do watching fall watching the leaves uh, like i'm not trying to be weird at all but it's like that that has an impact on all of us if if we devoted every season the success or failure of it on a harvest
1: it be a failure people,
2: most people would fail every single year but yeah. it's like but you go and you poll those and i'm not people. talking
1: about a failure of in not not harvesting yeah, yeah. bigger grand scheme of things Correct. it's a failure because you missed the point
2: exactly and it's like but if we go and harvest i mean if we go and poll a lot of people like still some people will come to you and say yeah you know it, it, it was a it was a bad season harvest wise but i still enjoyed my time out there I don't think we've ever like sat back and say like why do you enjoy your time out there if if let's say you weren't you weren't successful and most people can't put into words why that is. Yeah. Like okay. Like like explain hunting to my wife, let's say, like doesn't quite have that same draw to the outdoors that I do and pull these experiences and just like that time to sit back and be quiet. And it's like doesn't quite understand what all that does and just the, the peace it brings and the low stress environment. It's like, I just enjoy sitting there, but most people can't quantify why it is, Mm -hmm. but like they'll go to the woods and sit there and and be in that stress-free environment, but not necessarily make that, let's say connection to why they feel that way. Like, yeah, it's it's not. And
1: sometimes it's not even stress-free. Like, it's it's a bad scenario if if you carry that stress with you, you carry the work of st- the 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 stress of work, and you go into a tree stand and you add the stress of must harvest something.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it's just compounded at that point.
1: Yes, and and I think it's definitely crucial. And don't worry, guys, we are gonna get into habitat too. Um, but
2: we gotta address this though. We got but to.
1: it's if you carry the stress of work to the tree stand that's your time to try to unpack that stress and relax and recharge and that should be a message that we convey to our wives to our families of uh, this is a good chance to become stress a little bit less stressed Uh, this is our chance to feel recharged if you carry the stress of not harvesting an animal or not being successful and, and i put that in air quotes back home and you bring stress that's that's where you're going to start having a negative a negative response with your family about you hunting sure you you want your family to appreciate the ability for you to go hunting that way you come home recharged restored and restored and ready to be a good father to be a good a good husband you should not bring the negative of a bad shot or a missed opportunity back home and release that upon your family. Um, that, that, that can be a huge problem. And then if, if that continues, you're going to see a negative effect from your wife of, uh, or family not wanting you to go hunting. Mm-hmm. And that can be a huge problem. We see it a lot. We hear it a lot. Uh-huh. Um, and, and truthfully, we've done that. Being I've done yeah. that. And and uh, yeah. so we're not preaching uh, at you saying, saying that, that we're good at it. Yeah, but <laughs> this is something that yeah, a mindset that we put ourselves in in um, and 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 kind of an experience to where you need to, that we all need to do better. Yeah, we're not. It's not a question. It, Hunting season isn't about, like I said earlier, putting another deer on the wall. At the end of our life, it's not going to be, hey, I put 20 deer on the wall. That's not going to amount to nothing. No, It's going to come down to, were you a good dad? Were you a good husband? Were you a good um, builder of the kingdom? And uh, were were you a good man? And so many times we focus on the wrong thing. And hunting, it's really easy to focus on the harvest being the goal the goal is not the harvest
2: like h- how many times times do we do we log a hunt during a year maybe let's say let's just say the average is 15 hunts a year we have one two i'm just saying uh, we're throwing out averages here one or two hunts that is is a successful hunt from yeah. a harvesting standpoint but what happened what happened to all that additional time those 13 other hunts that you had tell me you didn't gain something or or you know in your mind or in your experiences like i've wholeheartedly feel that creation, the outdoors, was created for a way for God to speak to us. And if we don't utilize those other times in the woods and consider like having that mindset going in that hey, I'm gonna sit back and I'm just gonna I'm gonna listen, I'm just gonna be quiet, I'm just gonna enjoy this. Like if we don't take things away from those thirteen other say hunts, time outdoors, we wasted that.
1: Yeah. Totally. Waste that caused more conflict in our home, whatever it is. Um, I've heard this sermon preached so many times of good stuff in, good stuff out. Mm -hmm. Um, What you take in is what comes out. Reflection. And so with hunting, if it's a stress going in to must kill, must harvest, must perform, stress comes out. (laughs) And so when we go to the tree stands, blinds ground pursuit this fall in a hunting scenario it's a time to exhale breathe exhale breathe in clean air clean thoughts restore ourself this is a chance to reduce stress to recharge our batteries and then to take that home to become a more tolerable more enjoyable person in our home be yep. a better leader in our home be a better um, thermostat yeah. is the word uh, to me I think of I don't remember where I read it but uh, Reg- as the father so the you of a you home. fathers you dads you husbands that are listening you're the thermostat for your home if you are heated you heat the rest of the people around you mm-hmm. if you are a comfortable, temperature, everyone is comfortable around you. And so it's our responsibility to become better thermostats in our homes. And we can use hunting as a great way to charge
2: ourselves up and be better people. Just like everything else, it has to be used appropriately. And if you don't prepare yourself for the mindset of going into a season, that's what we're talking about today, then it can be a bad thing like we're just talking about. So you have to go in with the right mindset of, of knowing what you want to get out of a hunting season beyond take away harvesting, take away all the gear, everything. If you just go and sit in the woods, like people love to go hike. They don't, they don't carry a firearm or something like that, but why do they like to hike? They just like being outdoors because that's a way that you can recharge and use this time. Even, even on a successful hunt, how many encounters do we have that are, let's say a minute or two minutes tops Yet we're in the woods for hours and hours and hours. Like it's such a small window of our time and experiences outside. We better be getting something else out of that time. And again, this is is where to me the rubber meets the road of if you can sit back and just enjoy these, these mornings, these evenings. Fall is such an incredible, gorgeous time. We're blessed as hunters to be able to experience everything that happens during the fall and spring during turkey season. And just the... The magicalness, I think, of creation. Like, I I just sit there, I don't know, it, it, almost in like wonder of know, how did this all, like, people are out there thinking that this just randomly happened? Like, all these events of like acorns falling, leaves falling, following trees. Every single the fall, senescenti- yeah. they fall, Time they do frosts. that. Frosts.
1: Every single autumn or fall. Birds like ducks and geese mm-hmm. get up Migration. from the north
2: and migrate south. Every fall, bucks are chasing does. Every like just just think of like the 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 cycle that a buck goes through from growing antlers to shedding antlers to velvet to shed. You know every single thing. You know how dynamic that is. It goes into their testosterone levels and their uh, different right. glands. Right, and their right now, bottom. they're like, shedding just, velvet. Tell me, tell you cannot tell me if you sit back and think about it, that. That just like is a random thing. Like you can't go into the woods and sit there and experience nature in and around you. Just you're just observing it. It's just you're encompassed by it. You can't tell me that that's just like accidental. Like, yeah, it's just it's wild. There, that's why it's so complex. We talk about diversity. We talk about all these different things, not just because we think it's important. That's the way nature is, but because it has a a deeper better meaning and if we understand it, we can understand the complexity and just how incredible god really is and that that's what yeah. he wants to share with you in that, the
1: woods i want to make one more thing before we move to the next line but we get to see a well two line, two two things and um, we get to see God's masterpiece every single time we set in a tree stand.
2: Every sunrise, every sunset. Every sunrise, Ooh. every
1: sunset. God did that, not Mother Nature. Yeah. Um, he designed that, and he's showing his full power right in front of our very eyes, and we get to sit back and see that show, see that movie, see that performance.
2: Every day you're in the woods.
1: And some days are way more colorful than others, but every single time it's a, it's a gift to get to see that. And so it's a good time to not get consumed by the art, the the act of one little brown colored animal, mm-hmm. but a full full performance of everything else that's going on in front of us. Because it's not, not only just a that, but we get to see this in how many other countries in the in the world would you get to experience something like this? I already won the lottery. <laughs> I was born in the U.S. of A., baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> and bow
2: in my hand
1: <laughs> and so this is a great opportunity as we're getting ready for deer season to think about all these things and and put our mind in a in a time i'm going to share a story with you matt i didn't realize i with do me this or yeah no, me. with the audience too i don't think <laughs> i th- you know I think, this i think they're listening <laughs> um maybe um i didn't realize i did this but it's it's funny um now i do it purposely but i was doing it subconsciously just of 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 every time I was going to the farm um you know we go to the farm it depends on the week but we don't get to see it a lot during the spring when we're working but we go to the farm quite a bit during the summer months as we try to catch up on work that we didn't get to do during the or during the spring but I've I would call my wife while I was at the farm and I'd be like hey just how are you guys doing I love you guys thank you so much for letting me come down here and do this Mm -hmm. had no idea what I was doing and she goes, boy, you try to make yourself seem like you're in a really good mood when you go to the farm, don't you? And I'm like, what? She goes, every time you go to yeah. the farm, you come home and you're like, ooh, ooh, ooh. I'm like, I had no idea I was doing that. And now I well, do it That's to where she has a great, uh, a, a better mindset feeling. for the farm. than. Um, so that's one good thing I do. Here's the bad thing I do with it. When I come home, I still think mentally I'm at your, the farm. Your mind's there. And – I really, I mean, man, I just, I'm going to pull the hammer out and smash my toes. That's a horrible habit that I have to where I sit here and I, I get, daydream about guilty of it. things that I need to do at the farm to where I don't perform on things I need to do here at you're home.
2: You're not present where you're present. Yes. It, I, everyone everyone is, is guilty <laughs> of that. It's so easy to do, but I think, I think what, what we're basically trying to say is be present in the tree. Like, put the phone away. Mm-hmm. Look at what's happening around you. Know, know why it's happening around you. And that's going to allow you to be a, a one, a better hunter, better woodsman, all that, you know, cool, great, grand. Let's allow you to just soak it in and there will be a piece that just comes over you. If you have that right mindset and you're not distracted, you're not just focused solely on tagging a buck, You're you're focused on, honestly yourself. Truthfully, it's not a selfish thing to take time for yourself if you're doing it for the right reasons and allow that um, understanding and that grace that is out there just waiting for us to just honestly soak it in. That's why nature, the outdoors, whether you're fishing, doesn't matter what you're doing outdoors. It's just an enjoyable experience being out there. And I think we can all sit back and, and take some time prior to season opening hopefully it catches people i know shoot wyoming's open north dakota kentucky's about to places already opening up but hopefully this catches everyone and just allows you to slow down and think about it and get your mindset for season to be able to have a successful one outside of of harvest we wish you the best of luck on that but this as well, because it's I'm gonna give even more important. I'm going to give you guys more I'm gonna, a call to action more a
1: challenge to you guys. Matt said put the phone away. I'm going to tell you to get the phone out during this portion of that. Download the U Version Bible app. Mm-hmm. Read the verse of the day and then reflect on that while you're sitting there thinking and, and exhaling and and just trying to live in the moment. And uh, I think that's a great thing you can do while you're out there. Um,
2: there, should, there shouldn't be distractions when you're when you're sitting there i will say this and i've been guilty of thinking that it does but of like replacing the 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 church pew that tree stand doesn't do it yeah but there doesn't mean that you can't still get close to god by being in a tree stand being in the woods and taking that time to reflect and be there in your mindset
1: for sure all right let's pivot
2: moving there's a
1: little bit of a thing here. Um, whenever it comes to in the tree stand, and we've talked about the mindset, but when it comes to the habitat and it comes to the year of of managing the land, there are so many things that you can learn during hunting season uh, that you can then you can sit there and observe for the course of however many months hunting season is, and however many sets you're in a tree stand, or how how many things you can observe by walking and driving through the property. You can take all that information because I think when it comes to land management, a lot of us would say it's for... We manage the land so we can be... We can have more enjoyable sets during hunting season. There's so many things you can learn in the process of hunting season that then you can take and improve on it during the off-season. And so, hunting season from whether it be August through January, you can sit back and figure out things that can make you a much better land manager or steward of the land throughout the regular, uh, throughout the off-season. So, while you're sitting there, notice the attractions. Notice the things that deer are drawn to. Um, Learn upon that. So, if you're sitting in a food plot and you notice that deer are coming out in a one portion of the food plot, and you're like, why do they always come from that area? Figure out why they're coming from that area. Or take that, I, I would encourage you to take a notepad, if you if you can't remember these things while you're in a tree stand, take a notepad and write them all down when the, when the hunt's over of what it was that, you know, in Rocky Top food plot or Ruby Ridge food plot, those are just a couple of names of the food plots we have. Deer always come from the southwest. Well, once season close, go into that food plot, walk to the southwest, and figure out what it is that they're coming from.
2: There's a, a resource there. There's a reason it might be um, more sunlight, better cover, more uh, topography, the wind swirls, whatever it is. There's a reason they're there. Figure it out and then take that. Learn Build from upon it. that. Yeah. Maybe you can find another place on the property. You know of another place that's just like that, um, where you can experience the same type of success. You, wh- what's one of the? Uh, whenever we're consulting, we're going around touring these properties with people. What's the biggest? One of the biggest questions is when we get to a new place: is okay. Well, what do you observe here? Like, tell me what you see happening here. Nine times out of ten. Most times I'm gonna say, I have a really good idea when we show up I'm like okay i can I can see this kind of happening, you know this is probably why, but I'm not saying i want I want that client to verbalize what it is that they see, so they're basically from opening to close of season, discussing, and you know that they're observing things, let's say appropriately from this stand because that dictates what you're going to do, what the recommendations are based on how deer are naturally traveling or not traveling through a certain area.
1: We definitely want to build upon what the deer do naturally. Hundred, hundred hundred percent. I posted this week uh, on our social media handles um, uh, a picture of a deer, uh, a really nice 10 pointer that we have on the Prairie Hollow property, checking a scrape, a mock scrape that we'd set up. And, we got to ask the question, when do you start putting out mock scrapes, or when do you start monitoring scrapes and, and, and where do you put them? Do you like vines versus scrape limbs or, or lichen branches better? There was It was a kind of a back and forth conversation, and it really comes down to, we don't want to try to make the deer do something that they're not already kind of doing.
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: We could put up a, a vine or a mock or a lichen branch, mock scrape in a portion of a field that the deer don't ever go to, and we might not have very good activity, even though it may be the best mock scrape we've ever created. Um, We may only, um, we may have very limited results, but we may go to a portion of a food plot that deer, it's like the first place they come to, they enter the food plot, and it may be a junky little licking branch that they hammer and use from September to February And it may just be because of the location. We may, so what we want to do is build upon what the deer already somewhat do. They may come into this food plot, yeah, a few nights out of the week, but they always come from the southeast. Well, let's go ahead and build upon that. That's why we ask our clients, what do they do? Because we want to build upon that. Let's add a bedding area inside that timber where they're coming from, make it more of an attraction a more of an attractive bedding area. Let's use some edge feathering, whether it's closed or open, to make our pathway in better. Let's plant some natives around to screen ourselves to where we can get in and capitalize on that pattern. Let's not try to make them do something that they're not comfortable doing.
2: You want to basically anything that you're, you're doing on the property is to complement the natural travel corridors, the behavior that deer are doing. They're doing it most likely because of security reasons. And yeah. if you if you in um, increase the amount of security uh, and try to not force them in an area that they don't want to go, they've obviously chosen this path because of, again, topography, the way the wind swirls, that's the safest route for them to get from A to Z. Let's just enhance that. And then if it's even more secure, they're probably going to do it more times and probably going to do it more times during daylight hours that's right that's the whole purpose of of understanding what's happening on a property is let's take what what we know happens and then let's multiply it exponentially so they do it more and more and more and more you hunt patterns of deer you hunt them because they're consistent if you make this travel corridor more consistent, you will be more consistent as a hunter. It's not hard, but we just have to be observant and write this stuff down. Remember, while while the deer are doing it, while you're in there, you know, you don't go out really in in the springtime and sit there and watch fields and observe deer. You don't do that. You are in the moment, in the time, in the place that it matters during the fall to make some of these habitat recommendations and observations based on what deer are doing and what they're not doing too.
1: Yes. And I think one thing, the Prairie Hall the Property, there's so much to learn there, but um, one thing you will notice because it is in the Ozark Mountains, there's a lot of ridges with a lot of little saddles, and we've monitored those saddles over the years, and some of them are better saddles than others.
2: There's about four right now in my head that's like a, a good deer will be utilizing that saddle.
1: One of those saddles I think of is a uh, spot that we've hunted for years and years and years. And we call it the tree. Um, and it's kind of a combination of different pinch points and saddles and, and ridges. And we hunted it last year. Keith Hammer really hunted it last year. <laughs> yeah, we did. saw one of our best hit list, hit list bucks called Big Show um, in that saddle. And it's kind of, it's it's been a really good bottleneck. Because of naturally occurring terrain. Yep. This year what we did was and specifically Chad, because we were busy, he went in and did a couple of cuts, bedding thickets, on both sides of that saddle, creating an attraction on both sides
2: and, that will and not necessarily right off the the slope. No. Right? These these are spread out a couple hundred yards in each direction, but that doesn't matter. Again, it's a defining feature In this area, deer are already using it, so we put those features, whether it's, again, we wouldn't do this, 100 yards off that saddle, or 200 to 300, they're going to use that saddle that much more.
1: That, for sure. And so, I'm excited to hunt that one, monitor it this fall. Now, it's going to be a little bit different than it was last year. Last year, it was really, really good because we had heavy acorn production. This year, we don't have a lot of acorns other than our red oaks, so it may get better late season. Mm -hmm. We've got a great food plot up the hill with Ruby Ridge. And so uh, it could be a really, really awesome area to be, uh, especially late season.
2: Another key thing that happened, and we did it based on the observation that Keith Hammer and you had with Big Show, is that deer, when he came up out of one of those draws to cross the saddle, he wanted to kind of come a little bit back behind the stand. And so there were some trees that were laid down, hinged over, and some laid down flat behind the stand to push the deer up in front of the stand. So they would That's not right. come back behind
1: and we, some shooting lanes put in. So <laughs> additional he, shooting lanes, If yeah. he does come in that area yeah. again, we're ready to, to capitalize.
2: So those are the type of things that you have to be watching. And again, it took what, five minutes to lay some trees over, but it's one of those things that, okay, it may make the, the big difference, the next encounter that occurs there um, in that saddle. And, you don't want to miss those things, so make sure those observations are recorded and that you're just taking note of them, because they're 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 easily missed. But those those things that we often tend to overlook make the big difference the next couple of years. So and For that sure. and that's like, you know, you can come in and, and make a well. We talked about it, honestly with with Matt Ross on on one of the podcasts is doing the taking a, a big, wide brush across the, the property, making these large changes and bedding thickets and things like that, and that will increase the overall attractiveness of a property. But when you come in with that fine tooth comb or that, that fine detail brush on a property, that's when you really see things occurring, and thus hunting strategies really extremely efficient and deer movement work really nicely on a property. I think, you
1: know, when it comes to these observations, that's one of them. Put up trail cameras, monitor your trail cameras and see kind of where the activity is. Oh, is there saddles? Is there mm-hmm. is there uh in the food plots, really observe and and not just not just observe food plots, but observe like uh there's there's so many different things you can observe about about a deer's activities. Is is this food plot, and this is one of the biggest ones that I noticed, is this food plot's great, but it seems like deer only get here after dark. Yeah.
2: Well that tells us they're betting probably a long ways from here. Or the conditions are horrible to hunt. Or but you guys
1: have hunted the crap out of this spot <laughs> to where deer know don't go there till yeah. after dark when when Tom Dick or Harry climbs down out of his tree stand yeah. and leaves. that's something that's a sign that that tells us we need to do something to make deer feel more comfortable there's a long list of things you can do to make this spot better make them feel more comfortable if it's a two acre food plot break that thing up add some cover to it add some add some strips out in the middle of whether Different it be forages. an annual screen or an 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 annual food plot that's going to get tall and break it up to where deer feel more comfortable, plant the outside perimeter in a in an edge blend of uh, of, of native grasses and forbs to where you've got some height to where deer feel comfortable coming out into it. Edge feather the field, mm-hmm. then not only that, go back in the woods. Let's say let's let's uh, let's play a little bit scenario here and say it's a two acre food plot. Deer don't get here till after dark. Whenever the conditions are right and they do move during daylight, they're coming from the west. Okay, well, let's look at an aerial image. Let's walk that during late season or, a- or after deer season. Uh, let's say you did that last year. you like, oh, they're on the neighbors. Well, that's a sign to say, okay, come January, I'm going in there, I'm going to blow down, a- and I'm going to cut out a half-acre acre area, and I'm going to make it a bedding area mm-hmm. because I'm going to make a huge assumption here, but I feel pretty accurate in, in saying that you know we worked – in in two and a half years, we've covered almost 40,000 acres. We've seen a lot of ground, not not just in consulting, but real estate. I'd say there's a pretty good chance that just by adding that, that clear cut, you're going to have probably better cover, better habitat than the surrounding area. There's a very good chance. <laughs> and so now you have the most attractive bedding area. We've
2: seen a lot of good, but boy, we have seen a lot of bad There's habitat. a lot more bad than good.
1: <laughs> And that's why this podcast has content every single that's week because there's exists. always
2: something to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Um. So
1: you, we made our bedding thicket. Now this winter, I'm going to go in and I'm going to plant my native, my native grasses and and forbs around the perimeter the f- the first five yards. Yes, you're losing acres of a food plot, but it's two acres, and the side doesn't grow that well anyway.
2: But natives will these plants. But are natives to do will this. because
1: they're perennials and they have a much better root system and they're gonna and they're gonna do better. Plus we're gonna edge feather, so we're gonna get trees, not so much. We're gonna get plants out from under that drip line, and we're gonna build that edge. We're gonna make a staircase with multiple steps. We're gonna go from mature trees down to edge feather young forest saplings, um, shrubs, to then perennial grasses and forbs down to food plot that creates a better edge that deer are more comfortable using and they're going to move during daylight hours better. If it's a two-acre field, let's say it's a rectangle shape, we're planting the center 10 yards in something like heritage blend or sedan grass or corn even to where deer feel better because they're more comfortable the and it breaks up that field where if they're you're on one side, they're on the other,
2: you can grunt and they have to come looking for you. Here's here's the other thing. I know there's probably someone out there thinking, guys, I have hunted this property for years. I have, or or I'm new to this property, and I hunted all season long. There was no consistency to anything, like nothing. And it's like, okay, that's every that's guy your case, in timber country. Okay, <laughs> that's that's if that's your case, then you have to start the basics you have to get that broad brush out and you have to start painting these massive areas or larger areas of dense concentration of, of early successional young forests these bedding thickets because if you have zero consistency consistency on your deer patterns it probably is meaning that you have random food sources not defined food sources and you have probably very poor cover around the whole property because they're bedding wherever they want to. So that randomizes the activity or observations that you have. If that's the case, then you need to improve those features um, on a property. Make better cover. Offer different forages. Improve those forages. Know where those forages are throughout the entire uh, deer season. And you too will then find consistency or create consistency in deer movements to be able to observe and then work your way to those finer brush strokes on a property that we're talking about.
1: I think one of the biggest problems and the biggest errors I've made in the past and I see being made is when you have inconsistent patterns, the first thing we do is add a food plot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that tells us a chance of where they're going. We still need to know where they're coming from. I, I want to fix the problem of knowing where they're coming from. And in our observations across the country one of the biggest things is not knowing where deer are bedding
2: this is another question that we always ask
1: quality cover quality bedding
2: hand in hand we're not talking about like a specific bed though either we're talking no. about just a, a few acres in which you know that slope because of the cover that's there not just because of an area because the cover that's there that's where the deer are bedding How many times have we had in in two
1: years uh, a client call us or send us a text or make the comment that, man, I went back in, I went back in. I just had it this week from a client, Russell Russell Kaiser down in South Carolina, tell me he did these bedding thickets and he's like, I'm it's it's like magnets, and there's dirt trails. He sent me pictures, dirt trails coming off Mm -hmm. the hill from the bedding thicket to the food plot, and he's like, it's unbelievable how much they're using it.
2: I think that that's important to note that that's in South Carolina. Well, deer range from, obviously, Missouri to South Carolina, but guess what? The need and the presence of, of young cover in those areas is applicable to deer in South Carolina and Missouri, the Midwest, the northern states, the southern states, the northeast. It does not matter. Deer are deer, and yeah. that works. They need it. it. Don't overcomplicate stuff. Young early successional cover and young forest will attract deer. They will yeah. bet in it. They will yeah. do it. I promise.
1: <laughs> I uh, I want to shout out to Jay here. Um, we had a conversation on social media. One of our, one of our listeners. Oh, Jay Burks About, about um, a lot of it. The, I think he said something like the more he observes or the, the older he gets, the more he th- thinks luck is involved. And I'm like, I'm going to have to dispute that because it sounds really boastful. Knock on wood. But sometimes, not not harvesting the animal, that, that, that's, I'll, I'll draw a line Let's there. Let's just say being But in it the gets game. a lot easier at knowing what deer are doing when you manage the habitat in the way we're doing. Wow. Because it, it seems like sometimes it gets pretty easy to say, okay, here's 200 acres of, of closed canopy timber, bedding thicket there, bedding thicket there, here's a little food plot. Deer bed there in those bedding thickets, and they come to that food plot.
2: Doesn't mean, doesn't mean that you avoid the, all the other areas of the timber. But what you're saying is you're identifying point A and point B, you can get between it because there's this nice topography, terrain feature that will kill deer. You will you will that is a way to better hunt a place. But if you want to manage the whole thing, yes, we're going to do more. But if you want to just be successful, you can do that. Walk away away from the property, that's all you do. That's all you do and just hunt it. But here's the thing that makes hunting if you're because tr- oh my gosh how many how many times we talk about analysis of paralysis and people just overthinking deer in general the number of motivating factors that make deer do what they do is honestly really small yeah if you understand those few basics and understand how the habitat will relate to those basics then you know what deer are going to be doing you know where they're, they're go- at when they're going to be doing it and you get there and you put an arrow in them it's yeah. it's I, I don't. Don't overcomplicate golly, it. Golly, please don't, please don't, yeah. because it's it is that simple. Yes.
1: If if you have a very monoculture or a, a timber lot that's all the same and it's all closed canopy, and you go in and you add these little changes, the diversifying, adding young forest, adding some cover, that is easy. And my go- my goodness, dear, use it and then you start adding in other things to manipulate the deer travel, it gets a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Now, killing the deer is not easy, but you better your chances to where does it, is it luck, or is it that you did the work, and you put the time in, and now you played the wind right, you made your chances of of seeing that deer, having that deer in front of you better,
2: is it really luck now? To me, to me, If you have inconsistent patterns, inconsistent movement, not defined features on on a property, yes, there's luck involved. It's a random chance that you're hunting at the right time, that the deer walks by, you guessed it right, great, fantastic. I've been there, done that, had those opportunities. But there's a difference between, right, making the, the conscious decision to improve these areas for better hunting and for better resources on a property and hunting it and watching that plan come together, that's not just random luck. That's, okay, intentionally going in and doing things and knowing that it will improve your hunting seeing it happen. It's it's funny, because it's like, just just a minute ago, we were talking about how things are so complex, all this stuff, it's like, in a nutshell, things are simple, the way they are, but what drives those factors, it is very complex. But we can simplify the complexity and just say deer do this and deer do this and they're going to do it these times so we're going to make habitat good well, around it.
1: I I I'm not trying to downplay deer management, but deer are one of the easiest ones to manage compared to other oh by far. Uh, uh, other game species or non-game species. Quail, it's turkey, a lot harder to manage for grouse, Ooh. quail, turkeys than it is deer. Woodcock? Yeah. So
2: let's think about uh Waterfowl, holy cow! You have to have. I'd much rather
1: manage a deer than a migratory (laughs) bird. Oh my gosh! Um, Yeah. So once again, just the the whole time you're hunting, make those observations, put them in a journal, and put a plan in place. Uh, Make the observation: Do deer? Are there more deer on my property in September when acorns are falling, or are there more deer on my property during January when I have a lot of woody brows, a lot of young forest, a lot of Food available. Uh, when are the deer leaving my property? When are deer on my property? Let's find. Okay, the deer aren't on my property much during this time of the year. Let's fix that. Let's find how to fix that. Let's use the podcast from last week with Dr. Craig Harper and say, you know, during the early part of season, there's not a lot of deer, but I have some oaks. I don't know why they're not here. Well. Maybe they're not making a lot of acorns. Maybe we need to fix that. Let's Crown tree let's release. let's, Crown let's tree release, release those trees and 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 hopefully add some more food available uh, for the deer. Um,
2: and, and I think that's that's important to know. Okay, from your observations and the stand, what's occurring? But then, if you stop seeing deer. You have to look outside of your property. You have to know what resources are around you in the greater neighborhood. Why was there a shift? Why was there a change? Identify that resource and then replicate it, if you can, on your property. And if you can't replicate it, then, then utilize your property to uh, create something that will be a competitive resource at that same time.
1: Or, or I mean, deer, during the day, deer are going to bed down and they're going to feed. If your neighbor has all the food... Then by golly, you get all the cover. Yeah. If your neighbor has all the crops, then you add all the bedding.
2: I would much rather, by the way, have all the cover. I, I know, would. I too. know we've done we've done podcasts where we've talked about that, but I I would much rather have the cover than all the food.
1: And there's a lot of reasons, but I'm gonna make one big observation for you to to chew on. During the time of the fall when deer are the most susceptible And let's just say when they're the dumbest, when they're thinking about breeding, when When. they're, when they're, when the rut is occurring, they're most likely going to be around cover. Yeah. And I would much rather have the cover when deer will use that the most when they're the dumbest. Therefore, the deer you may not want to shoot and you want to see reach an older age class, they're hidden on your property. They're not running out through. The neighbors shooting lanes, getting whacked.
2: In legal situations, everyone's hunting during daylight hours. And if yes. you have the deer on your property during daylight hours, hey, where the cover is, you have the best opportunity than anybody else around you to harvest those deer. Yes. Done. That's why I want cover. <laughs> I would rather have the cover.
1: Now, I would want all of it, but let's not be greedy. I'd just say yeah. I'd rather have cover if I had to be, if I if had, I had to choose. Yep. Um, also, put all this together. Make the plan. And land management should really involve, involve a plan. You shouldn't just half-heartedly go out and randomly go and say, you know what, this afternoon I'm going to go hinge cut a half acre. You should have a plan in place. And the plan starts with hunting observations. Understand the way the deer are working on your property through the hunting season, when they're there, when they're not there, when you can hunt it, And then put the plan in place. That's what our business is about, is understanding what's occurring and putting the plan in place. Whether you work with us or not, put a plan in place to go, okay, this is what's missing. This is how I can improve the habitat, not only for the deer, but other game and non-game species. How predators come into effect. How lack of habitat can be fixed.
2: How to have these disturbances on your property. How
1: to add habitat or improve the habitat to make my hunting better, not only for the deer, but for turkeys in the spring and rabbits in the fall. It comes down to understanding what's going on, and and that all reflects on what you observe during hunting season. That's the biggest part of our conversation when we're consulting, but it also comes down to what you observe so we know what to do when we get there.
2: Absolutely. It plays a large portion in the direction of of writing and developing a plan. Obviously, we we come on site, we we can tell a lot, but that additional information helps to confirm what it is we're thinking in our head, and it's it's important. It's important to be observational, so you just you know what the heck is going on, and you honestly at that point too you will understand the plan if we put it in place and develop one for you you will understand why though those changes are happening and why we're saying you should do this if you don't know what's happening on the property then it won't all make sense but when a lot of times you know when we're doing the follow-up conversation with someone we're like this is why we put this feature here versus this feature and it makes sense because we're accessed like this and they're like oh yeah because i'm seeing that type exactly it will Compliment what you're already doing and seeing
1: i think one thing i i probably see a lot is in a lot of states rifle season occurs let's say mid hunting season yep after rifle season when a majority hunters hit the woods people lose their deer and they don't know what happens and winter hits and they're like, it's just not as many deer on my farm during late season, unless I have the food source. I have standing grain, standing, standing soybeans, standing corn, whatever it is. How many times do people look at, look, before crops were occurring, what were deer eating during the winter months?
2: I'll say this, the same thing they're eating on our farm.
1: <laughs> the same thing they're eating on our farm. There's a lot of woody browse uh, that goes into late winter yeah. forage. Yeah. And... We don't see that problem. In fact, we see the exact opposite. We get more deer on the property during the winter months than we do during... They stack it. ...during September. And And we're surrounded by timber. We're surrounded by timber. So food gets very limited except for our place because we have a lot of these bedding thickets, this young forest, these... Logged areas. Logged areas, woody (laughs) browse. Fire. And, And so that's something to account for. If you're in the northern states... Woody Browse, late winter nutrition is a huge factor. Not only for just holding deer on your property, but winter survival. Trying to avoid massive winter kills. Down south, not technically as important, but still should be on your property. For our area, Woody Browse is definitely the key, one of the keys to late season success. Not only for bedding, but also just keeping deer on the property during that late season hunting.
2: And, and here's the thing, too, mm. that a lot of people are are interested in is like, okay, when the pressure hits, when, when that rifle season occurs, when most people are out there on the property, you know, and putting a lot of pressure on deer, where do they go? Like if you are seeing an influx of deer activity in and around rifle seasons, that should be an observation you're having because that should tell you that I have adequate cover on my place. Deer want to come to my property because I'm hunting it right. I have hunted it right throughout the season. And now I'm observing deer focusing their time and energy in and around my thicker areas because they do feel pressure. They do need a place for refuge and security. If you're not seeing that increase, that tells me and should tell you that there's better cover elsewhere.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, this fall, this hunting season. Get prioritize. Mind. Get your mind right. Get your mind right, get your priorities right. Hunting season shouldn't cost you your marriage. Hunting season shouldn't cause conflict in your home. Use hunting season as a way to recharge your batteries, as a way to get your mindset, get your mind right, get your property. Plan in place so you can make the habitat better. Use it to your advantage. Use it in what it was designed to be—a way to provide food for your family and a way to be a recharging for your soul. Yep. When the kids ask to go, take them. When your neighbor asks to go, take them. We're losing way too many hunters for us to get selfish and focus on on trying to. Just kill that one deer and and not think about anything else
2: and if you are if you understand and feel the way that we do about your time in the woods and what it does for you as a recharge, why do you want to not encourage other people to do the same and experience the same thing if you're not offering those 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 opportunities, then you're not encouraging people to draw closer and to experience the refreshing, the recharging that you get. (coughs) So it's important that we get other people outdoors and just in touch with creation and nature.
1: Also, go check out our YouTube channel and please subscribe. Deer season will be here soon. You're going to see a lot of hunting videos and a lot of videos being dropped. Um, We just dropped one this week. Uh, Well, it'll be last week when you hear this podcast. Uh, planting into standing beans. We've got a lot of food plot strategy involved on our YouTube channel, so please go land and leg- legacy with the and sign yep. and
2: um, subscribe so you can help support us. Um, we are rapidly getting booked up for winter and spring, so yes. if you guys want to reserve spots um, or for inquire, consulting, yeah, for consulting, please email us info at landlegacy.tv and we will get you on the books and, and try and uh, make that happen. But man, we're it's crazy how quickly that's getting hooked yes. up. But um, anyhow, extremely blessed. Thank you guys so much for listening.
1: For sure. And uh, we just had a review, a recommendation come through on Facebook while recording this podcast. Much appreciated. You guys could help us. If you enjoy this podcast, that's one of the many ways you can help support us, um, use our online store. Right now it's just landalegacyapparel.com, and we've got various things on there. A lot of seed orders went through. Uh, yes. Getting ready, We've had a lot of uh, trail cameras ordered through that site. Uh, we're going to be adding more stuff in the future. So we appreciate you guys for all the support, and we will catch you next week. We'll see you guys.
2: Yeah.